0: Everything you know and have read about leadership development is about to be turned upside down. Leadership is a skilled profession. It requires discipline, the practice of specific principles. Leadership isn't about attaining power. It is about achieving the ultimate results of performance and productivity. Join us and learn about the influences, the sequences, and the consequences of leadership on the ground. This special edition series is made possible by Leadership Rigor, leading yourself, teams, and organizations. And now, here are your hosts, Erica Petler and Todd Schnick.
1: Good afternoon, and welcome back to Episode 3 of the special edition Leadership Series, Leadership on the Ground. I am your host, Todd Schneck, joined by my friend and colleague, Erica Peetler, the author of Leadership Rigor, Good afternoon, Erica. How are you?
2: Good afternoon, Todd. I am good.
1: I'm very much looking forward to today's conversation around sequence. That's like episode two. It's another word that I don't necessarily associate with leadership, so I'm intrigued to understand the value there. But before we do that, uh, remind the audience uh, who may be just tuning into the series what leadership on the ground is all about.
2: Yeah, when we're talking about leadership on the ground, what we're talking about is how do we get performance and productivity in the organizations, the teams, and with the individuals we're working with. What we want to do is we want to talk about those elements that we have conscious discipline and focus on. Altitude was the first. Today, we're going to be talking about sequencing. And to get that performance and productivity on the ground and to have that conscious uh, discipline, there are things that we're going to have to practice. I'm going to talk about those too.
1: Well, talking about sequence, which is the subject of today's conversation, if I got a phone call tomorrow and was hired to be the CEO of an organization, the last thing I would think about as I'm preparing myself for this new role would be sequence. <laughs> so help me understand what that is. And I guess the order of things does matter.
2: Yeah, you know, the order of things does matter. And I'm, I'm laughing a little bit to myself because in the coaching practice that I have and the work that I'm doing with CEOs and teams, it, it has become not only such an underappreciated challenge in the work that I do, but even for my own growth and development, it's an underappreciated challenge. And as you know, I've recently written Leadership Rigor and as an author that's looking to grow my own business, there are certain sequences that I have not quite gotten right. So I'm happy to share with folks today what the meaning is of sequencing as it relates to leading yourself, leading teams, and leading organizations.
1: Well, like I said, that's never been anything that I've thought about deeply when it comes to you know, We talked in episode two about this idea of the individual and then the team and the organization. Uh, when I think on sequence, I'm guessing you can't do this you can't be developed into an appropriate leader without focusing on yourself first
2: yeah absolutely and i'll I'll tell you where one of the most important things comes into play with sequencing I mentioned in the first couple of episodes that we have to be a consciously competent leader that things don't happen by accident and you know we don't start off consciously competent in fact most of us are unconsciously incompetent we don't <laughs> know what we don't know so we have to actually go through the sequencing of figuring out that we have some blind spots hopefully some people that we work with give us some feedback. So the next sequence after we're unconsciously incompetent is we become now consciously incompetent. I know that I'm not good at something. So now it becomes a growth area. And while we may have talents and we may have some unconscious competencies, most of us struggle with getting from now conscious incompetency to conscious competency. And that's what we're looking to do with leadership. And all of the coaching and all of the things that we're talking about is helping people to sequentially move through that process. So today, while we're not giving individuals feedback, we're trying to help individuals understand what the sequencing is that they need to move through. So one of the takeaways from episode today, this episode, is make sure that you're getting some feedback. Make sure that you're exploring your blind spots and make sure that you understand what is next in the sequence of your own development so that you can progress in your own organization.
1: Well, I was struck when we talked about the do manage lead model in the last episode that most leaders never achieve that, that upper echelon of the lead. Is it fair to say that too many leaders in today's marketplace aren't appropriately set up as an individual?
2: Yeah. And in fact, if I were going to say, if you were to ask me both for the individual and for the team, for the organization, for that matter, you know, what is everybody after? What's the big buzz in leadership that everybody really wants on the ground? And I would say that what people want, aside from performance and productivity, the culprit that they tend to pin their challenges and their frustrations to is accountability. They say, you know, we don't have enough accountability. We need more accountability. And accountability is also one of those words. What does that mean? You know, is it personal accountability? And when you really look at accountability, I'm going to go back to that S model, that progressive mindset, and I'm going to say the very bottom of that S, the first thing that most leaders don't do well and they get stuck there is they don't set expectations. They don't actually articulate clearly what they're looking for. And then they don't get the accountability that they want, but they haven't really set the expectations the most important thing that a leader often forgets to do is what's in the middle of that S? What's that inflection point? And I'll tell you, that inflection point is coaching for performance. People, if they do set the expectation, they may delegate and dash and leave and not necessarily really help that individual to grow and develop. So when you look at the sequence of things, when you look at putting leadership on the ground, as a leader, you want to be able to set expectations as a first step. You need to stay in the pocket with that team, with that individual. You need to coach them for performance. And in the next couple of episodes, we're actually going to talk about different ways you can coach people for performance. But accountability doesn't happen by chance. It happens by choice. Because we've set expectations and we coach for performance. There is a sequence there.
1: How is it possible in today's organizational culture that too many leaders, perhaps majority of leaders, aren't setting the proper expectation? How have we gotten to that point? What I'm really appreciating about your approach to leadership on the ground is the use of these models. As a really interesting and clear way for me to understand where I fall on that, to know where I where I can develop. But how have we gotten to the point where we're not properly setting expectations?
2: It's an amazing thing, but business moves really fast. We talked about people like to be impulsive. We also talked about how people like to do, right? Everybody mm-hmm. likes to touch yeah, things, yeah. solve the problems. So if your leader hasn't really had a great leader who's taught them how to do things, what they're doing is they're role modeling what they've seen and what they've seen hasn't been good and therefore what you're getting isn't necessarily any better. So part of what's happening, and I think this is a really special time in the marketplace for teams and organizations and leaders, we're getting clearer and clearer about this and we're having better conversations today than we've ever had. And I think we have some great tools at our disposal. What I'm hoping that Leadership Rigor is able to do is bring a very clear visual way to help people have these conversations because to get it on the ground, we actually have to talk about it. And I think that's the most valuable part of what we're trying to do today is help people have these conversations and talk about it. All
1: right. Erica and I will return after this quick break. We'll be right back.
0: This episode is brought to you by the new international best-selling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. Author Erica Pietler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism, because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpeetler.com.
1: All right, Todd Schnick, back with Erica Peetler, episode three of our Leadership on the Ground series, talking today about sequence. You know, hearing you before the break, Erica, talk about communicating expectations, I was thinking about our introductory episode where we talked about the importance of communication and relationships. To set expectations, to communicate expectations, you have to, quote, communicate. But that becomes so much easier when you've developed those relationships. So I'm just thinking that that's really critical at this stage.
2: It's so critical. And and in fact, most people, because they don't necessarily have what they think is a strong relationship or they're intimidated by the power position of the person that they need to have the conversation with, we don't have those conversations as clearly as we need to. And in fact, you bring up a great point. There's a conversation that I talk a lot about in my coaching practice called the accountability conversation. Mm-hmm. And literally, this is a conversation where you want two people to get together and literally not only talk, talk about what the expectations are, but what are the resources that I have at my disposal? And are those resources, if they're money, are they available? And if they're people, do they understand that they need to be contributing to this work? And then can we agree on some mutually understood deliverables here? The accountability conversation is actually a negotiation that I teach people to have between whoever is asking for something and whoever is delivering it because we'll walk away with misconceptions, right? We still don't know how to have a clear conversation with each other and communication unfortunately remains an illusion in the business world and everywhere else. It looks like someone's talking, it looks like someone's listening and we didn't really hear a word each other said.
1: Well, you just said something that I want to explore further, this mutually agreed. Mm -hmm. I worry that too many leaders will just start barking orders and saying, here is my edict of the expectations. But how much of this process becomes trying to seek buy-in? Before you get commitment from the team to move forward.
2: Yeah. We're gonna talk about this actually in one of our next episodes because you know, power comes into play as well. If I'm going to have a conversation, if I'm really going to challenge my boss, because they may be asking for something, but they may not really even understand what they're asking for. So if I'm not clarifying those expectations or I'm not saying, Hey, is this a PowerPoint? Is this a note? Is this a whole big book that you want me to do? Like what exactly you're looking for? If we're not having that conversation and power is in the way or lack of trust is in the way, those are issues that get in the way of that performance and productivity on the ground. So what happens, right? We don't have clear expectations. Somebody in our organization goes and spends an inordinate amount of time doing something that was beyond what we needed. We wasted productivity. We wasted performance time. So it's really in our best interest not only to have these conversations, the accountability conversation, but to really understand and take the time to sequence those conversations so that we have alignment We have clarity and we really send people off to do things that are not only meaningful, but they're going to result in on the ground output that we're looking for.
1: Is there a model that I can apply to team leadership?
2: Yeah, you know, now you're dealing with a lot more complexity, right? So we're having two people having an accountability conversation is one level of complexity. Now you get a team of people together. You have a lot of different experts in the room. You may have some subject matter experts. And one of the models that I love and is probably the mothership, so to speak, in leadership rigor, it's something called analytical rigor. And it it really talks about, hey, listen, we gotta get out of the habit of just looking at spreadsheets and data. We have to frame information. We have to do homework between data and information to really make sure that we have something that we can look at that's meaningful, that's relevant. When we pull people into a room, we should be talking about what I like to refer to as insights and choices, right? People should read information before we get into the meeting. We should get together in a meeting and we should be talking about insights, choices, we should be engaging. We shouldn't be wasting what I like to call blue dollars in the room with a lot of people sitting around. And then we should go into decisions and action. So one of the things I lay out in Leadership Rigor is this analytical rigor model that really can help facilitate performance and productivity on the ground. And there is a sequence to it because if you do it with this sequence, you will get way in, you will get buy-in. You will get people participating both on the data and the uh, intuitive sides in the right order. And you're going to get great decision and you're going to get great inclusion.
1: Well, you cannot get commitment until you've gotten the weigh-in and then then the buy-in. Absolutely. All right. Well, we've talked about the individual. We've talked about teams of people. Let's shift now to the organization itself. I suspect uh, you know one of the goals of an organization, I suspect, is to grow but I worry that too many organizations are not ready for that growth. Talk about some of the challenges at the organizational level.
2: Yeah, you know, in fact, you've nailed it. I mean, one of the things that I see all the time is organizations do want to grow and unfortunately, they are not ready for growth and they don't even see that they're not ready. So one of the things that I really try to help people understand the sequencing of is they may have a great geographical expansion opportunity or a huge job opens up at one of their branches and maybe it's a general manager or vice president level and they look at the bench and they say, oh my God, we We don't have someone ready now to take that over. Well, Why don't we have someone ready now? Well, you know, we didn't have the talent and this person isn't ready yet. So you know, one of the things that you realize in that sequencing is if we do a better job on our talent development, we can put growth opportunities on the ground more quickly because that bench can then be deployed and can be put in open positions that represent the growth and the expansion areas. So most people come in and they say, let's put together the strategy, let's figure out where we want to grow. I push people and I say, hey, wait a second, let's take a closer look at this. There are two things that happen in sequence before you get to strategy when you're working at an organizational level. And that is, what's the culture, and do we have the right people on the bus? Because that strategy and that growth that you want to pursue, your organization has to be able to deliver against it. So the sequencing is really important there.
1: Well, I never thought of it that way, Erica. I mean, I, I would suspect there's plenty of leaders out there who would say, well, my job is strategy, is it not? You know," And they think they're doing the right thing when in fact, they're really not because it's out of sequence. We well, mentioned culture. Obviously, you can't have a conversation about a successful or an unsuccessful organization about discussing what's the status of the culture. So talk about why culture needs to be before strategy.
2: Yeah, it's really critical. So culture, when you're thinking about on-the-ground leadership, right? There's the penultimate way that you get on-the-ground clarity in an organization is through its culture. How do we do things around here? What does it look like, sound like, feel like, right? That's all that on-the-ground way to demonstrate where that company is and the reason that culture comes first in really the organizational setting and you know i have a model called organizational excellence where the sequencing here boy i'll tell you if it doesn't matter here it's unbelievable it's just incredible culture talent strategy and performance are the sequence that i help ceos understand repeat and
1: that please i want to be sure people yeah, hear that
2: it's so important culture first followed by talent followed by strategy, followed by performance. And everyone wants to jump to strategy and it's really how do we do things around here? What are our values? How do we make decisions here? Because if there isn't clarity there when key decisions have to be made, people will be confused. So your values, your culture, that's first and foremost the footprint of who you are. It's on the ground, all of the elements that really create that unique organization for your particular organization that you're leading. Talent is really key because you have to have the right talent that buys into your culture, right? You don't want your talent to change every time you have a strategy. So the culture and the talent come first, and that really is the fundamentals. The strategy may change, but the people and the culture aren't going to change. So you really need to understand who's on the bus, what are we good at, what are we capable at in terms of putting strategy on the ground, and let's make sure that that strategy is really something we can do. You know, when I was in the uh, corporate world, I did a lot of strategic planning and we would do strategic plans that would sit on a shelf because they were theoretical exercises for some white space that existed out in the marketplace, but it really wasn't in tune with who we were as a culture and the talent that we had.
1: How many organizations, Erica, have recruited talent and said, okay, let's now try to jam them into a a pre-existing culture. You can't do it.
2: Well, they do it all the time, actually. And it's unfortunate because those are the cost of turnover and the lack of fit. You know, when the organization isn't clear about its so culture... Those are the costs, it's it, turnover. It's unbelievable. And talk about it's something that happens, Todd, more commonly than we'd like to say. But those enlightened companies, those companies that are really creating competitive advantage and putting leadership on the ground and making performance and productivity good decisions are understanding their cultures, then recruiting the talent that fits that culture, and then developing those strategies to win in the marketplace.
1: Until this final bit, this sequence has come home for me about how critical that is, because I'm not so sure that I would have, if you had said, all right, here are the four ideas, place them in what you think is the appropriate order, I don't know that I would have put them in the order that you're you're suggesting. Yeah. So that is actually quite mind-blowing, fascinating. All right. That's all the time we have for today. We'll return soon with episode four, where we're going to talk about emotional intelligence. That should be quite interesting. So on behalf of my colleague, Erica Peetler, I am Todd Schnick. Leadership on the Ground will return next week. We'll see you then.